Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast, a show designed to elevate the game of senior living sales and marketing leaders. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and with me is Corey Mitchell. We're talking to leaders from all different positions and titles, giving you and your team a competitive edge to reach 100% occupancy. We're listening to season one. Let's get into it. Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Moy, and alongside with me is Corey Mitchell. We have a phenomenal guest um, with us today, and uh, it's Kelly Swinnison at uh, Silver Point Senior Living. She is the VP of Sales and Marketing. And so, Kelly, it is uh, beyond an honor to have you on the show. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, guys. No. Oh, my gosh. It's my honor. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. <laughs> well, we're, we're equally excited. And I think um, the, the reason why I, I wanted to reach out to her, because I, I got to give a shout out to the, the folks at Bridge the Gap. If you guys don't follow them, I have no idea why you're listening to our podcast and haven't heard about mm-hmm. them. Um, but go listen to Sean. Um, I, I think I'm going to hopefully not butcher his last name. Corzine. Um, Corzine. Close. Corzine. Yeah. So I'm the name assassin. So just leave it up to me <laughs> to, to, to butcher. Tough but one. Sean- <laughs> it took me a while. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So Sean went on and he was at Nick and he talked to them and um, just laid down really great foundations just about Silver Point in general, just how they started. It was crazy. They started with six months uh, before the pandemic, which I think is just um, unbelievably <laughs> unfortunate. But then at the same time, I'm sure that it's, it's definitely played uh, a really big role in just their successes and being able to adapt and pivot through the, the, uh, these times. So Kelly, um, we're, we're excited to, to get the ball rolling, but if you want to just kind of give a background on yourself, how you got to your seat, and we'll go from there. No, absolutely. Um, it's kind of crazy. So I'm born and raised in San Antonio, Texas, and never would have thought I would have ever have gotten into sales, um, but stumbled upon a, actually a durable medical equipment company years and years ago. And I was a sales manager there for about eight years. And I'll be really honest, you know, we were, it was, it was all dealing with Medicare and allowables and things always change and in reimbursement rates and things. And I will never forget after it was either my seventh or eighth year of doing it. And I really thought this is a company I'm going to retire at. I loved the culture. I loved working there. I, I grew a lot. Um, but as time went on in that, you know, manager seat, I was having to release people. I felt like I almost felt like every other day. And, and I was in my early thirties and had two, you know, little kids back to back. And I will never forget going home. I went home to my husband and just said, I, I don't know if this is it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think I ever envisioned my life just firing people. This is just not what I want. And, you know, he just asked me that simple question, like, well, what do you see? And, and at the time, you know, my, my brother-in-law had actually just passed away um, from a brain tumor and I got a chance to see hospice do what hospice does. And I remember specifically saying, I don't, I feel like something with the healthcare, something with hospice, something, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think this is it. And crazy enough, a few weeks later, I get a call from a former coworker that worked um, in durable medical sales, and she happened to stumble upon senior living. I, I literally had no idea. 
you know, I was like, so what, you know, is it like real estate for the elderly? Like, I'm not sure what this is. And, and she just said, I think you'd love it. I think there's something that you would absolutely love. And I remember, I thought she had a fancy title at the time. I was like, well, what are you? And she's like, I'm the community relations director. I was like, oh, that sounds fun. (laughs) Anyway. And I ended up um, applying for a position with her company. And at the time it was emeritus. So, you know, that's going way back uh, Mm -hmm. when Maris was still around. And honestly, I remember just knowing immediately, like, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. Like how, and and then I remember being so upset. Like, how did I not know about this? Like right out of college, how did I, I I didn't ever hear about assisted living or memory care. I didn't know what that meant. And I just, honestly, I'm so lucky that I was introduced, you know, to it. Yeah, so as a Texas native, I'm from Houston, so you mentioned yeah. that you're in San Antonio. I have yeah. to ask about the Riverwalk. Is there still <laughs> a restaurant there called Dick's? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, <Okay>. there is. <laughs> so not to sidetrack here, but there's this restaurant. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Michael, but you go in and they're rude to you on purpose. Uh-huh. Like they read the menu, like, you know, they don't care, but it's such an experience that people keep coming back and it's called dicks for obvious reasons, but it is. Uh, I just had to mention it. It is hilarious. No, it's still there. So it's still on the Riverwalk. It is a staple here. It is so fun. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. Like you have to know when you're sitting down, like you're in for an experience when you're there. Yeah. yeah, Still there. There's something about that, creating that experience, right? Like no one would ever think that customers would go back to that, but it is that experience that uh-huh. brings people back, even though you know you're gonna, they're going to be rude to you. But yeah. not to get sidetracked here, so tell me a little bit about the uh, the time you, when were you a sales director, the community relations director, and when was that, and how long were you in that seat for? Oh, gosh, it would have been, actually, it's funny, I was just looking at something the other day. It was probably a little over 10 years ago um, that I first got that role. Um, and again, I was, it was actually a community that was a struggling community. And sometimes it's good when you don't know what you don't know. Right. So I got hired and I remember them telling me they're struggling and, you know, census is 60% and, and it was an older building, you know, lots of competition. San Antonio is a super, super oversaturated market. But when you don't know these issues, you just kind of, you've got something to prove. And I, and I had something to prove. Um, so that was 10 years ago. And, and again, I'm blessed that I worked with so many amazing people from the executive directors to my nurses, to the engagement directors. And they taught me so much in those first few years. Um, and so I sat in that seat and then I helped um, be kind of a sales lead for Emeritus in the San Antonio market for a little bit after maybe about a year and a half. Um, and I'll be honest, I kind of was itching for something else after I got our census up and stabilized, you know, like a lot of sales directors, you're ready for the next challenge. And it kind of goes back full circle where I was like, I would love to do hospice sales. And I will never forget my executive director at the time pulled me in. He said, Callie, I will never stop you for leaving. I think you'll do fantastic wherever you go, but I think you're wired to work with the team. And at the time I didn't really understand, I didn't understand what that meant. And then I got into hospice sales and very quickly I learned, I really like being around people. <laughs> I like going in um, and I like a morning standup. I like, I like the banter of the team dynamics and what that looks like. And in hospice sales, I was on my own. 
right? You are in your car all day and you're doing outreach and it's very different. And so it, it didn't take me long to realize six months in that this was not my cup of tea. And I really craved for humans um, and to be a part of a team. So then I was really lucky. I um, happened to apply for a position and it was a brand new startup. And again, had never done a startup. Um, and it was with Integral Senior Living and the wonderful Christy Van Westerheisen, who y'all have had her show, um, came in town and interviewed me. And I, honest to God, I say, I fell in love with her the second I met her and got a chance to work there. And then maybe a year into opening up the building, they had asked if I would like to be um, kind of what they deemed a, a senior sales specialist. And so I got a chance to go to Dallas a lot and go into other kind of struggling communities and, and kind of navigate that for a little bit. And then <laughs> um, I was recruited um, by a company called Civitas. They're based out of Fort Worth here in Texas and, and broached me to see if I'd be interested in a regional sales position. And, and what that would look like. And so I was blessed to be able to work for them and grew a lot. Um, you know, it was different. It was different managing people. For me, I struggled a little bit at first, I'll be honest. I was used to such a team dynamic and being in a community and helping, you know, helping families. That is, that was everything to me. And my first couple months as a regional, I'll be honest, I felt a little alone. Um, it was, it was, it was very different. And I, I realized very quickly what I needed to do is really try to instill or try to just really just, I, I just realized my support was going to look different, right? My support has always been for the adult child, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that is, that is what I did for so long. And then I had to shift to really supporting individuals and, and, the things that I had learned over the years to try and help them and navigate. Um, so they could kind of feel the same of love that I did for senior living. Um, and I was with um, Civitas for about a year and a half and had a, an amazing experience and learned a ton. And then I was honestly, LinkedIn's our friend. Sean found me on LinkedIn <laughs> and reached out and asked if I knew of anybody who was interested in a, you know, vice president of sales and marketing role. And of course, at the time I was like, I'd only been a regional for a year and a half. You've got to be kidding me. Um, but the good news is, is it's a very small company um, and it was just starting out. And so that's kind of, kind of where I've landed. And that's kind of, that really is the journey in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. And you touched on a lot of things that I want to unpack, which I think you set the stage really well. Uh, it's interesting that you said that you struggled moving from CRD to becoming a regional. And that's actually something that Christy was pretty open about in her path to becoming a regional. So curious to hear your vantage point on why you think it was a, a difficult transition. Yeah, it was, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I was shocked. Um, yeah. I think that obviously that team dynamic is for me was, was huge. Um, I, background on me. I played college sports. I played sports my whole life. And so I've always been surrounded and I understand, I understand the value of working with a team and selling a team. Mm -hmm. And so when you're removed from that, and then you're not there to really help navigate, there's such a good feeling about helping, um, 
the adult child walk this journey. Whether mm-hmm. we're the right fit or not, I always felt like my job is to really help find them the right place, to educate them, give them the tools to find the right place. And so all of a sudden you're finding yourself like, that's not the case. And now you're putting out fires left and right, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I think I originally started with maybe seven communities. And by the time I left, I think I had like 13 from Oklahoma to um, all of Austin to Corpus. And so you're, your day-to-day is different. You have to be very self-motivated. You have to realize like you're, like I said, you're putting out fires that you're not used to having to kind of put out. Um, You're trying to navigate it in the way to coach um, people. And I always come from, I always said I'm a support that I'm not directly over them. They ultimately report to their executive directors. I'm here to really coach, advise, support, cheer them on. You know, that really is my role. Um, But it was it was just a mind shift of mm. how do I, how do I like keep 13 sales reps motivated? How do I keep them happy? How do I, you know, and I put a lot of pressure on, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of pressure. Um, the second I realized the ones that were really struggling and those, if I could see them flourish and connect and like those pieces come together, it gave me that feeling that I would get like when I was helping a family. And so I had to kind of just shift it to, okay, I'm here to help this individual kind of get back on track or maybe they can see it a little bit different. Um, so yeah, it was, I was just as surprised as anybody else when I realized like this was very new to me. Yeah, you go from making those cells and do, and creating that purpose, like you said, helping families is everything. So then you go to a different seat where now you're you're managing people and you're leading people in that role. I'm curious. I want to go back to when you were actually a sales director. You go into a struggling community. Census is down to sixty percent. You raise it up to stability. How did you do it? And what type of things did you do that you're teaching the people that you're you're overseeing now? Gosh, you know, and, and it looks so different in every community. It, it does. That's that's the blessing is that I've been able to be in so many markets and kind of see what that looks like. But, you know, the one thing I go back to is your marketer has to believe in their team. They have to believe in it. If you have a marketer that just is not getting along with that nurse or with that ED and there just doesn't seem to be you know, any resolution, it's hard, you know. To me, I'm, I'm actually notoriously a little hard on executive directors and I'm not proud of it, but I think it's the sports mentality in me that I know you have to have a strong executive director. I've never walked into a community that is thriving and not, not just occupancy wise. I'm telling families are happy, staff's happy, things are good. I've never seen a lackluster ED and then everything else is great, right? And so for me, it starts, they, they create that culture. We have our culture with a company, but we're not there every day. That really falls on the executive director. So for me, those are the things that I kind of go to is we need, you know, we need to identify that we have leaders. Do we have leaders in these buildings? And if you don't have leaders in the building, we have a long road ahead. We, we, we have to find the right people and put them in the right seats. And that's to me where, where it starts. Very, very rarely when I go into a struggling community, does it have something to do with an incompetent um, sales director? I can usually walk into a community and go, I can, there's communication issues. 
there's, you know, this team, they don't believe in this product. So I need to find out why we don't believe in this product. Well, and, and it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> I, yeah. I wish it did. I wish like, let's just replace this person. It, it, it isn't that it doesn't happen that, that quick. And so I think identifying um, those kind of pain points quickly and trying to figure that out, um, then you start to see the shift. You really, but I really, it, it is. Um, a thing I like to do with teams is, and everyone's like, oh, the SWOT analysis, the dreaded SWOT analysis. I love watching a team do it together. I will ask a struggling team and get all their department heads, everybody, because it takes everyone plays such an integral role in the success of a community. Um, sit and watch a team that is struggling. Their census is struggling. We know there's some strife. They don't see it eye to eye. Watch them do one together. And if all you hear is negative, oh, we don't have this, the budget's this, we don't have da 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 the building's old, our competitors, we have major issues. <laughs> this is when we yeah. sit and go, wow. But sometimes, all of a sudden, you'll see the team that's struggling all of a sudden get together and it's a, it's a positive experience. Not all of it, you might start hearing, well, we do this really well, or you know what, my nurse might this, but they do this, this, and this fantastic. Or I'm like, we've got a fighting chance. This is a team that doesn't, that they don't communicate well, but they still believe in each other and they still believe in the value of this community. Those, that's what I'm looking for. I don't like just turning your SWOT analysis. It's how they navigate and do it together um, to me, which is really, it's kind of eye-opening to watch communities do it as a team. I can imagine. I can imagine you could get some, some interesting conversations that would spawn from that. So I'm curious, yeah. um, and, and if, this, if we need to delete this or whatever, but like, <laughs> I think we, because Corey and I, we actually did something of that nature. We actually worked uh -huh. at a community together and it basically went awful. It was terrible. Oh. Uh, and I'm yeah. curious on how you navigate the one, the community, the teams that aren't communicating well and have are coming from all different angles. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that happens. I mean, that's, that is honestly that happens more times than not where they're just not getting along when, when I, when I can identify, like this is going south really quickly. I usually kind of want to pin, put a pin in it if we mm. can. Um, and then I usually go back to kind of the home office and obviously now we need operations and I usually like to do it. I, I our, our vice president of operations, Debbie Ackroyd is amazing. Um, and, and she, she gets it. And so I usually kind of go back and say, okay, I think this is going to need to be, this is an all hands on deck. We might need to get Sean involved. You know, we might, we all need to sit down and maybe this is one-on-one -on -one talks. We can't, when it gets really rowdy, <laughs> um, during those, it, it, we have to come up with a plan. Sometimes we, you know, we can sit there and come up with directives like you should be doing this and you should be doing that, but that that's not going to solve the issue. Um, it really does take some, some thought of, and sometimes I hate to say it, it can take some really tough conversations with certain people. And for me, it always goes back to that executive director. We're yeah. not there. That's the hard part when you're a regional, a vice president, you're coming from a home office and you can be, you know, in a different state. We can try and give you the tools. We can give you some advice. We can say, hey, I've seen this work in other places. But man, when you have 10 different personalities coming at you, <laughs> sometimes, 
sometimes we, we just have to really kind of let the team try and figure out some, some things as we go. But a lot of it is that executive director listening to their team, problem solving um, and supporting. There might be something that executive director wants to try. And I can be like, I've never heard of that, but let's try it. You know, let, let's kind of see, but yeah, those um, I'm telling you the SWOT analysis is, is an interesting way to get your, get the true feelings from all department heads on the opportunities uh, that they, that they face every day. Yes. Yeah, so we did the SWOT analysis. We didn't do it as a team like that. I love that idea. If you're having, you know, if you're having some opportunities, some issues in the community with you just bring everyone together, you go through the SWOT analysis and you talk about it. It's amazing what those tough conversations can lead to, you know, when you're yes. having that tough conversation about some operational issues with the person that's responsible for that issue, and then you guys can solve it together. And as a group, that's how you move forward and, and you continue to grow. Um, yes. So I, I really want to, I want to jump back to this one more time. So you go into senior living for the first time, you go into mm -hmm. a struggling community, it's at 60% occupancy. Mm -hmm. What did you do differently than the people that were there before you when it was struggling to get it to grow? I, I know you mentioned growing, like um, you mentioned like as a whole group, like the operations has, to, like everyone has to believe in the operations, but as a new sales director go in, going into senior living as a, the first time, it, it must be really hard to do that. So what tangible skills did you do, do differently in like the sales seat or, um, you know, touch on something like that, the, something that you did differently just in sales. Did you come in with just like this, I'm an athlete, like this athlete mentality of like, I'm here to win and we're going to grow occupancy <laughs> at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish, I mean, I, obviously I'm, I'm very competitive, but I also know the value of people and I know the value of getting your team on your side. A lot of it is it's figuring out the team dynamics and you're, you, you'll hear me here. You'll hear me talk about team dynamics a lot. Um, you know, and what's hard, especially when you're a sales specialist is you don't have a lot of time to sit there and, you know, figure out all the personalities that go into it. Right. You're, you're expected to go in there and produce immediately, immediately. But I, I think that people who are open and willing, um, they, to me, the standup is important um, that we're communicating well, they, that tells a lot to me. I usually would go in and try and figure out their personalities and I would try to get the team to understand what my role is. My role is really to try and help everybody's job be a little bit better, right? We know that occupancy cures everything, everything. But I also wanted them to know I'm happy to help anywhere I can if they need an extra hand with engagement. It's identifying maybe we have an amazing engagement director, but they really struggle at big events. Like maybe I can come in. Do they need me to come in? You know, it's where can I help my coworkers? That way we all learn to trust each other. For me, it's figuring out that team dynamics was the first thing. And that really, it could be hit or miss, right? You're not going to win everybody over really quickly. But it's going back to the basics of, honestly, work your leads work the leads mm -hmm. um, and being consistent every single day, being just discovery, you know, listening, listening when, when prospects are coming in, um, working with, you know, there, it's, it's just so many things. Like we could talk for five hours on all the things yeah. that that really need to happen, but it right, might be training the concierge. Maybe there's opportunities up front. We're missing phone calls. That's really, really important. I'm like, here's my cell phone, however you, you know, you need to get in touch with me. It's having a sense of urgency 
Um, you have to have a sense of urgency in sales at all times. Um, there's a fine line of having a sense of urgency and then just being simply annoying because mm. sometimes sales directors can really pester, <laughs> you know, health and wellness directors. And, you know, we want it done like yesterday. Um, but you, you have to be realistic. And like I said, it goes back to how does this um, nurse communicate? I had to learn, I had to adapt every community I go into. Um, I had to change. There's not a script for it. Um, I think that that's what's hard sometimes is salespeople. We live in gray. I live in gray. Nothing's black and white to me. Like, I don't care how it gets done. Let's just get it done. Well, guess what? Most health and wellness directors don't navigate <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, most EDs don't. And, and that's for their roles. They have to be black and white. And I, and I understand that. And so I think for me, it was adapting to the way that, okay, you don't read your emails. You're not at your desk very often. Okay, here, I'm going to print it out and give it to you. I really had to adapt. I couldn't just say, well, this is the way that the manual says we're doing sales. Like, I'm like I was like, let me figure out how to, 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 to figure out their means of the best way to communicate with people. There's so much good in that. I think there's the first thing that comes to mind is that in order to, I love the fact that you bring in the executive director. Cause I, I, I've, feel like they are very much the, 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 the peak of the organization, like how much of a sales culture that they are willing to, to drive. That's the engine that, that keeps the community going. Uh, yes. And people will listen to that because it's different kind of relationship to where if I wanted to say, Hey, uh, you know, health and wellness director, Hey, um, can you help, you know, turn rooms or can we try these new activities? Cause I think that they're going to be able to help sell the community in a little bit better. I think it's different coming from the executive director and his influence that he has with, the, uh, with his whole team. I think there's, there's a lot uh, more impact coming from that seat than the sales director seat in my totally. opinion. Um, yeah. And then uh, kind of, Kind of going on just I, I think it's important and I'm sorry for the tangent here but I think it's also important what you're hitting at is is developing strong relationships and in, t- in with your team but not only that it's just like any relationship the way that their love language the way that they communicate yeah. is going to be yeah. so different than the way that you do it so you adapted it's, you almost need to to be the, the communities that I see where there's some strife or it's all about, it comes down to the way they communicate with each other. You know, I, I, I love to observe um, a stand-up meeting. I, I just like to sit and kind of see how they all communicate with each other. And the people who struggle to vary from the rule book, right? So every company has their, this is what, this is our move-in process. This is what it looks like, right? And you have some people who will not deviate from that. It's like mm. one through 20, I'm going to hit this. Guys, I mean, sometimes, you know, you have to deviate from that plan to get it done. And so I think it's okay to, to think outside of the box. I think it's okay to figure out ways to communicate and write. And sometimes you might have two or three different nurses within a year. Mm-hmm. They're not all going to communicate the same. They're not all going to follow that rule book. So it's really, it's being perceptive to figuring out we're salespeople. We should hopefully write every single um, adult child that comes to, to us is very different. And you, we know that we've got the driver and we know that they're all a little bit different. We've all been, we've all been taught, you know, somebody who wants answers quickly, you, you get right through it. And it's the same for your team. It's the Mm -hmm. same for figuring out a way to, to, 
to build a partnership, to build respect with each other. Teams that respect each other at the end of the day, it's like a family. You're going to argue, you are going to, you're not going to see eye to eye all the time, but man, if there is a deep respect, those are the communities that win every single time. Yeah. I, lo- I love what you're, sa- what you're saying. Uh, you said be consistent every day. And as a salesperson and sales director, you really do have to go in every day. Like it's a fresh start. It's a new game. Yep. You have to really talk about your leads. I remember when me and Michael were doing this, we would meet every morning and we would go over our leads and we would talk about what's the next step. How are we going <laughs> to get them to the next step? Whether it's coming into tour, whether they did tour and they didn't deposit or whatever the case may be, but how are we going to move these leads forward and having a, a, a real, what we call it like a daily battle plan of like what it is. That I love that to today. I loved what you said about being consistent every day because a salesperson, I feel like, especially in this industry, you have to show up every single day and give it your all. You had a lot of people that were touring that community that you read as a sales director and saying no if they were only at 60%. So you mentioned listening to your prospects. Do you think that was like the biggest thing that turned those no's into yeses, just sitting there listening to them? Because you're new to the industry. You couldn't have been talking a lot. You couldn't have been giving them a lot of valuable information, at least at the beginning of this. So listening to them and and having a sense of urgency, how do those things combine to turn no's into yeses? Yeah, I think, you know, and it's hard, right? At the end of the day, I'm a talker. And so you know, there's even times in my head, I still to this day have to catch myself, like, turn it off, Kelly, turn it off. Like you, you, a lot of times as salespeople, we know the answers already. You know, we already know that they might, like they're saying that their loved one um, is, you know, confused in the evenings that we, we know where this conversation is probably headed. And so it's, it's sometimes we want to jump in right away and say, oh, they might have dementia. They might have this instead of just really listening. Um, And that took, that took some time, (laughs) you know, it's, it took a little bit of time, but it's also, it's, it's really being authentic and in the moment with each person that comes in. And that's not easy to do in sales. You know, we, it's hard, you know, you have a walk-in tour and you were in the middle of doing something and you really have to shut everything off quickly and understand that this person is in need of help. Um, for me, it is an authentic, genuine, conver- it's a conversation. It's a conversation. Um, and we're here to help. And, and when I hire people, it's funny. I've, I've listened to a couple of other, other podcasts and it's so similar. I think a lot of us have some similar things we look for. I want to hire people that are kind and they're authentic and they're genuine. When I'm doing a sales interview, I'm never going to ask what was your best month. I don't, I don't want to be sold. I don't want somebody to come and I did this and I did that. And I was this, you know, I, I, I know who's good. I, I, I know who works. Um, if you are talking to somebody and you just left that conversation, like, God, I got to know a little bit about them. Like they were, they're so kind. We can work with that. I can work with that all day long because I think at the end of the day, it is, it's a conversation. You know, we would say discovery and you have to eat, right? It's a lot of questions and we're probing and there's this kind of a science to it. But at the end of the day, it's, it is, it's a conversation. And our job is to help guide them to those next steps. And so um, it's funny whenever I'm troubleshooting things or I go into communities and I kind of get a chance to listen in on discovery, which I know makes a lot of reps really nervous. Nobody loves to have their regional or somebody sitting next to them, but I, 
it's, I, if I can pick up that they're uncomfortable talking to someone or we always, the obligatory feature dumping, oh, which is everybody's worst nightmare. That those are hard. Those are hard things to shake. There are some salespeople who don't get it. They just Mm -hmm. don't understand that that's not what this industry is about. Yeah, I think there's something so good about just being able to, because I, I feel like that's been a, a good theme of the podcast is like, hey, if, you, if we can find somebody with empathy, if we can find somebody that's just genuinely kind and not, you know, not the first one that wants to talk and show off the community, and, but actually meet the, the family where they're at, then you know, people like yourself and other people are able to, I can fill in the gaps. I can teach you sales. I can teach you how to help guide and, and handle tough conversations. But there's something different about um, the person that is willing to sit in uh, during some of the, the most difficult conversations that, you know, a yeah. child can possibly be having. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, they do not want to be there. I'm sorry. No, I, no, they don't. It's so hard. It's so, it is one of the hardest things that they have to go through. I mean, just think about your own loved one in that scenario and Mm -hmm. how hard it is, how hard it was for them just to even reach out. And so I, I agree. It is, it has to be a natural, you know, conversation between two people. Um, The crazy part is not a lot of people do it well. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously I secret shop all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly secret shopping. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm actually sad. I'm sad sometimes when I get off the phone, it makes me happy sometimes because if they're our competitor, I already know that my sales director um, is going to be able to connect, but sometimes I get off the phone and it was a script, right? They print it off. They have their oversized inquiry cards ready to go. And They just kind of muddled along, not asking anything other than what was off the script. And honestly, that's more times than not, that is what's happening in our industry. And I I think the bar has been set really low. Mm. I think that's the biggest difference with us is that we want to raise the bar on on what a genuine conversation should look like. Yeah. So uh, my hope, my dream, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but my hope and dream is to to elevate that game and to elevate the ability. Cause I do think that there has to, you have to be competitive to, uh, to be in sales. And I think that you have to be competitive yeah. uh, in the sense of like, you just got off that phone call. You have that kind of sinking pit in your stomach. It's like, oh, I didn't, I probably didn't ask good questions. I probably didn't care as much as that. And there has to be a deep desire to get better. So it's a combination of, of being kind and then still being able to develop your skill sets. I think that's so cool. I'm telling you, being a sales director is one of the hardest things. It really, <laughs> if you think about it, you're looking for somebody who's competitive, mm-hmm. right? You're looking for somebody who, you know, and I hate to say it sometimes, you kind of need somebody who's a little money hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's icing on the cake sometimes for sales directors. Yeah. Um, but you also have to find somebody who is kind and is compassionate and they're genuine. Sometimes you're either one, you're very, very competitive, but you're missing kind of that softness to you. And it, it doesn't translate all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, or at least I haven't seen it with internal sales, external sales, outside sales. I feel like you, it's, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a different love language for outside mm-hmm. sales, but it is, it's like, you kind of need somebody to hit it on every single mark. Um, and that's not easy to do. And so what we have to identify in the roles that, you know, that I'm in is, okay, so maybe they're not money hungry, but you know what? 
man, they are so good at connecting with people. So I have to figure out other ways to motivate them. I, I now have to figure out, cause I already know that they're always going to do the right thing. They're always going to do this. So maybe they need help on closing a little. So it's every sales director is so different and we can't treat them the same. They're all wired. They're, we're all human beings. Everybody is motivated by something different. And so I have learned everybody has to be motivated. The way that I interact with each sales director is very different from the next because they're all, they're all different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned those tour cards. I just brought up <laughs> something to me. Yeah. So I remember using those tour cards and I always felt like I was way better when I didn't think about the tour card and, and the script and going through yes. and like remembering what to say and, and what they told me to say. And just, and the difference between that and then just sitting there with, without even writing stuff down sometimes. I would just mm -hmm. sit there and just listen and how that conversation would, would go differently. And I just remember a time, I, there was a grown man sitting on the couch crying because he was moving his mom into memory care. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm about to have to ask this dude for money. Like I'm about to turn this emotion and I'm yes. gonna now I'll be like, hey, can you give me money? And it yeah. was just like, a, it was a feeling, but the, the truth of it is, is that what I realized is that, you know what, this is what he needs. This is the best thing for his mom. So he is willingly giving up this money. It's not me. Like I'm not coercing him to do this. Like I shouldn't feel bad about this. I should feel great about it. And it, ever since I changed that mindset, I, it, I mean, it, it just paid off dividends. So anyone out there who's having trouble closing this, having trouble asking those questions and getting past those emotions, because these are super emotional conversations and it's hard to get from that emotion into talking about finances. Um, I just would like to say, just take that into to advice, but, um, no, Corey, you, you nailed something that a lot of us don't talk about, right? I think, especially for, for new sales directors or even sales directors, I've noticed that have coming from maybe a home health or a hospice background because, right. So they're used to dealing with insurance. And then all of a sudden, when you're talking about private pay, um, it can feel a little yuck. Exactly like you said, in the back, in the back of your mind, we, we know, right, there's a community fee and there's a cost to live for, for care, but that you nailed it on the second that you kind of realize like, oh, they're so much safer with us, right? They're, the quality of life that they will get, you know, in our memory care that has this amazing, amazing programming versus them just staying at home not knowing if, you know, they're eating all three meals or taking, you're, you're right. But I mean, it, it's hard talking about money in closing is, is not an easy thing to do, but man, if you have an amazing product, it, it, it makes it a lot easier to close. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And I can already tell the, you, you, I'm just, this is shot in the dark here, but I feel like you find really great satisfaction in being able to kind of going back to what you were earlier saying is, is being able to help empower your sales team in doing that and feeling confident to, to ask those questions and to say, hey, you are doing the right thing. Um, and so I want that to kind of transfer into the way that you guys have, um, you're kind of the, the silver point model and, and you'll be able to kind of share and, and shed some light on this. But uh, I can imagine the, your, your model of trying to take over some distressed communities and acquiring some, some challenging times requires a lot of that facilitating, a lot of knowing what motivates teams because, uh, yes. I, I, yeah, so, so talk, talk more about that. I'm interested. It's okay. So acquiring communities is probably the toughest thing I will, I, in my opinion, um, 
you are very rarely handed a, <laughs> you know, well-oiled machine <laughs> when they're, when you're going through an acquisition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all so different. So if I, I kind of want to go back to, I'll be honest, whenever we started this company and we, we got into this and then right COVID hits, it scared us. It was, I think every single owner operator all went, oh my gosh, this is it for senior living. We're going to have mass move outs as we go. We were able to deviate and it allowed us just to pause for a second. It allowed things to kind of slow down, whether that's good or bad. You might ask Sean and he might think otherwise, but for a brand new company who was putting policies in place and trying to figure out, you know, just website design and what's our culture mean and all these things, it allowed us to pause um, and put things on hold and really figure out who we were as a company. And what we have learned through all these acquisitions, um, they're all different. And the amount of work that goes into an acquisition is, it's crazy. It is crazy. I'll be honest with you. The marketing side is just a little, it's a tiny sliver of what goes into it. The behind the scenes of operations and just, you know, lawyers involved to get this, that, and the other. And right when we come in, it's scary. Um, And imagine taking over a community that is already struggling in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. It's hard. Staff are all convinced they're about to be fired. Every single one of them feels like this is it. This is, I mean, imagine being at a community and things are just fine or you think they're fine. And all of a sudden who my management team was is no longer, and, and most people don't understand management teams aren't always the owners and it gets confusing and, and, and all those things. And so it's hard, not only on the staff, but the residents and their families, mm-hmm. it is just here we go. Are they going to jack up our rates? What's this look like for us? And there's so many questions. And so we have to go in and navigate that. You have to handle it as gently as you possibly can. Um, and we're also a brand new company, right? Most companies that go in, they can say, go online, research us. We've been doing this for 50 years. We've got communities all over the place. Here we are. Well, we've got four communities and you know we're brand new, but we've been in this industry a long time. Um, I will say the, the blessing has been because we're so new and because we're smaller, we will, we were able to really get in and let people get to know us. You know, we're not this huge corporation that has a designated acquisition team. Most huge companies have, they literally have a whole regional team that only does startups. That's all they do. And so we were able to really get to know um, the residents and the staff and let them get to know us. We're approachable. I, I, so I think if I had to pick one word, of what was the difference maybe in why we've been able to be successful is I think as a home office, I don't even, I don't like saying we're corporate. We're, pro- we're all approachable from Sean, our, our CEO to our Travis, our CFO, every single person, they have our cell phone numbers. They can call us at any time. So I think that's, a, that's a little bit of a shift for people who are used to the layers of what a huge company looks like. How many communities? So you said you guys have four communities right now. That's still today. We have, you have six four, right now. Six, six communities. And are they AL, memory care, CCRC? What's the model? They're all a little. Um, 
for the no 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 sorry i'm cutting you off corey um for the most part they're assisted living and memory care um but we do we just had cottages um open up in saginaw which is right outside fort worth texas we just had our kind of groundbreaking last week but for the most part it's um assisted living memory care and independent living is is typically what we've managed in the communities that we you know we've acquired the biggest thing is it's people gave up on these communities is, is the probably if I had to pick one thing, you, you can kind of tell when we go in, they're like, we haven't seen our home office in over a year. Mm. And, I, you know, it could have been due to COVID. It could have been um, due to things like that. We took over our very first community, actually, San Antonio was pre-COVID. It was a bankruptcy. It literally was a community that went bankrupt. And so mm. talk about having to, to battle what that because we know the word gets out it'll get out really really quickly that <laughs> this was a bankruptcy and how are they going to bounce back um it really it, it, it took a while and you have to be honest and you have to be transparent with owners this isn't going to happen overnight i i'm not going to look at an owner and tell them you know what in six months <laughs> you know we're gonna we're gonna double this you know occupancy i, I wish it worked that way um but really what we found to be true is hire the right people, put the right people in the right roles. When we walked in, they just didn't quite have the right people. They kind of lost their love and feeling. And so you have to identify. Um, the second we identified an amazing executive director who actually was my old nurse um, years ago, we opened up a community and I was able to bamboozle her and, and to come and take a leap of faith. And she, over time, and it didn't happen overnight, their census has doubled. And they were just awarded the um, Senior Resource Guide uh, Assisted Living of the Year last year in all of San Antonio. It, like I said, it didn't happen overnight. But man, if you find the right people, things turn around. We're, we're having the same um, kind of situation in the community we took over in Corpus Christi. Um, it was almost like COVID hit and they just shut those doors and said, we don't want to deal with people. And I mm -hmm. kind of, that was kind of the vibe. Um, it was a beautiful community. It was a Everybody thinks of a struggling community. I think people think old, it's outdated, you know, it's just in a weird market. That's not the case. Beautiful communities struggle all the time. Um, if you don't have the right people, um, the first time I walked into the community we have in Corpus, I was like, it's cold and sterile. I don't care how mm. pretty it is, but my gosh, like it's just cold, meaning the people. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, we got to find some warm, warm people. And so again, guess what? We hired and found the right people. Actually, uh, two of them were my old sales directors from in that market. And I knew that they were really kind go-getters. Um, and they're slowly making progress. But I wish I had like a... <laughs> like a, a book or we could talk for hours because there's literally so much work. Um, that was actually one of the markets where I knew that the reputation of the previous company wasn't that great. We took the time and we hosted a huge event where we wanted all the vendors to come and meet us. Not a lot of times you're meeting the new team. I was like, I think that in this market, because this market particularly is really deeply embedded with home health and hospice companies, they all know each other. It's a very small town um, kind of um, network that I was like, I want them to know we are a, we are a management company that wants to work with everybody. Like we're not playing favorites. We're not saying this is our preferred vendor. This is who we are. And so I felt like 
we need to introduce us, not just this new team. We need to get in there and really and change. And I, I feel like we're, I mean, this community, I love seeing reports because you can see like their occupancy chart. It's one of the coolest things when you just start to see it go up. Yeah. And that's so rewarding. Cause I mean, I know that that's a lot of hard work and then I don't know if you realize this, but I mean, you're, you're, you, you, you I know you realize this, but it's just kind of, as you're describing this process, you're not only the VP of sales, you are, you're almost like playing PR. You're, <laughs> you're the PR director. You're the sales director. You're recruiting. You, you recruited two other sales directors and then your other nurse to become an ED. Uh, it's crazy. And, it and is. Yeah. I was just, I, I was just going to commend you uh, on that. And I, I'm curious on like, how are you, you, you know, going into it, you know, that you are purchasing a, a distressed property, but then one that has bad management or had bad management previously bankrupt. So how are you changing the perception to those, uh, to all the family? Cause I can imagine like those families are probably a little pissed uh, about oh. how much crap has gone on. Yeah, you know, you nailed it. I mean, we get a chance usually to go in and, and meet the families. So they get to, a chance to get to know us um, before we come in. And you were right. There has sometimes been years of not neglect, but just years of just issues. And, and we can't just come in there and say, we're coming in and everything's going to be better. And you just have to be realistic that it's, it's going to probably be a little bit of a bumpy road. Things are going to, going to look a little bit different. We've learned you can't just go in and wipe everything out. And this is, it's our way. Um, uh, it, it literally is finding the right balance and the right, just trying to, to enter, integrate who we are into these communities. And but again, you'll, you'll obviously you always hear me talk about people. I am, I am blessed that I honestly am surrounded like I couldn't do my job without all the people that helped me. We really, I've, I've been, I am so lucky. There's a group called MKT marketing agents and they are like everything to me. Cause mm -hmm. I've heard on one of your, one of your podcasts and it's so true. I think it might've been Tracy build marketing and sales are two totally different things. They're two totally different beasts. I consider myself, I'm a salesperson. If you ever hear me talk, I'm like, I love sales marketing. I have had to learn though, as I go, and I've had to learn from people who really get it and they understand the branding aspect. And there's so many pieces, um, of things. Um, but man, when you're a one man show in a, in a, um, company, you have to really realize like you need the help of others. Like I'm, you know, I can handle some things, but I'm always, I'm always learning. Um, I, I'm on Facebook, social media, LinkedIn. I'm always looking to see really cool things that people are doing, you know, there's, you have to be open to try and you have to be open to fail. And, and I think what we've learned in some of these acquisitions is when something we try doesn't work out, you just have to be really, really quick to kind of get on the next, you know, path and figure it out because we can't sit there and let it go on long. <laughs> we've made, you know, made that mistake before. And you, it's, it's basically like, we've tried it. We, we've got to move on um, and, and figure something else out. But if you think that you have all the answers, or like I said, you've got that playbook of, okay, this is how I do sales. This is how I do an acquisition. Then you're, you're in for a rude awakening because every single acquisition is so different. So I don't know if that helps at all, but you have to be willing to, to, to fail, to, to figure it out sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine going in and doing a new acquisition, 
the marketing efforts have to be a little bit different than if you're working at a community that's been there for three, four, five plus years and it's established and everyone kind of already knows who you are. <laughs> so as new acquisitions, yeah. you have to go in and your marketing efforts are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Anything out there that's that you see that's working that you guys that, that, that you guys are doing, is it digital's working or boots on the yeah. ground more? Um, I think it's a little bit of everything, but honestly, you know, it's funny is before, whenever Sean, he'll, obviously we get a huge heads up before we take over a community and I start doing my homework right then and there. Google's my best friend. It's everybody's best friend. Everybody's going on to it. So I usually, obviously I'm secret shopping. I'm, I'm, I go on their Facebook, their Instagram. Um, what I have seen that works is there is a feeling that you have to get in each community. There is a feeling when you walk in the doors that that has to just feel warm and kind and lively. If you walk into a community and they don't have it, those are the things that we're trying to put in place to figure out. Like, do we have the right people? Do we need to move engagement? Do we need to, what do we need to do? Those communities we're taking over, they don't have that feeling. They don't, and y'all know the feeling I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Within five seconds, there can be a warmth and it can be the oldest community that has been around for 30 years, but man, they have the kindest concierge and all the residents, when you walk around and tour, our doors are open and they're kind and whatever, that is what I am striving for. So there's so many things that we have to do to get to that point. When I get, we get to a point and I finally walk through that community, it is the best feeling. It is the best feeling to go, we did it. Like we, we did it, but we, we helped, right? The team mm -hmm. did it, but we, we figured out the formula to get it to have that feeling. That is what every single owner operator is trying to do is to create that feeling. Yeah, no, I, I, you absolutely definitely include yourself in the, we did it. Cause that's, it's a hundred percent you guys doing it. It's the, that's the operations, it's the people on the ground, uh, frontline workers. I think that's what pe a lot of people forget and sometimes can happen is a lot of people can feel like they're out on islands and mm -hmm. not, you know, what, what am I doing to ultimately move the needle. And I think that's actually a cool aspect of the way that you guys are set up because you are more regional footprint within it. And so you kind of touched on it. Now you're able to, to be more involved, not in the sense of micromanaging, but more so like, let me actually help you become better at your role by doing like understanding the market, going on these focus groups and going uh, and being able to do things that uh, other larger operators or larger management companies would deploy different people and have a little bit more of a, a script that they're going off of, as opposed to what you guys are doing. I think it's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I challenge, it's kind of funny. There's a question I, when I start secret shopping, so I'll secret shop the competitors before we walk in. And one of the questions I ask is I always pretend that I'll mention the, com the community we're going to take over. So I'll say, I'll be honest with you. I've toured a couple of places. It's between you guys and this, this team. <clears throat> I always want to see what they're going to say. And I'll, I'll get the true, because marketers have a way of being real finesse. Like, well, you know, they're not going to totally bad mouth. <laughs> a good marketer will kind of plant a seed in your head and do it in a, um, you hope, in a, in a kind way. Um, but it is funny. Those are, those are the little nuggets that I try to do to, to find out like, okay, are we walking into a community that has a 
bad care reputation, right? You know, is it care? Is it just the culture is bad with staff? Like there's, like I said, and then those are all the things I, social media is huge to me. It is huge. Go on and look and see. Um, I'm always looking when I, I look, I stalk people's social media. So the things that I'm looking for, how many, how many times are they posting? What kind of events? Is their whole social, is their whole social feed like job hiring, hiring, hiring? Like we get it. We get it. Everybody is struggling right now. I don't think that your families want to see that we're probably a little low on the, so those are, those are the things that I'm looking at. I'm also looking at to see um, how are they interacting if a family um, member um, has posted something or asking a question, how did they respond to it? And I, I obviously am smart enough to know there's usually a whole, um, you know, a media team that, that handles that. But if they're posting like once every three weeks and it looks sad, then I know that there's not a lot of life probably going on in that community. And you could say, oh, there is, but they just don't, for some reason, get it on social media. Social media has been around for too long for us not to be, to not be staying on part of that. It lets me know there's an opportunity. Um, I have a thing when we host events, those events are not for other vendors. Those events are for our residents. They're for the families. Um, COVID has made it hard, right? On who can come and who can't. And, and we've tried to navigate that. But at the end of the day, I'm like, please invite the care staff and their, and their loved ones. Like residents love to see care staff's family outside of work. If we can, that closes the back door. That, that to me, those communities that are always doing the drive, they were doing the drive by parades all the time. And they had this huge following of their family members were there all the time. They go hand in hand. Those are the communities that stay full. Those are the ones that are referring, you know, their coworkers and their things like that. When you walk into those communities and you very rarely see any loved ones coming to visit, they're never hosting anything. Those are usually census challenged communities. It's not a warm, welcoming feeling. Mm. Yeah. So you, this is great. So you mentioned social media and Google and kind of how you're looking at other communities and you better believe that the customers out there, the adult children are doing the same thing. They're looking up these companies' websites. They're looking at your competitors. Yeah. They're comparing your website to theirs. So I'm curious, what technology tools mm -hmm. do you give you, to your sales teams? What's an absolute must to have in this new age customers where they're online, they wanna do everything online before they even come into the door <laughs> to see your culture? No, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And again, so I'm lucky. So MKT Agents kind of handles all of you know, all the behind the scenes and, you know, reputation management, it's huge. Um, I do a lot of like competitions between um, our, you'll say, hey, $100 to the first community um, that can get like a, a, you know, a great review on Google or, hey, that, you know, you just have to ask. Um, they all have kind of a script. They all kind of like a how-to on if it's social media, this is what they need to do. If it's Google, this is what they need to do. Um, it, it's just, but again, it's being consistent and it's talking about it all the time because it's like anything I'll talk about or I'll throw out an incentive and I see everybody get reviews. And then guess what? If I'm not talking all the time, I start to see them. The consumer is so incredibly savvy, so incredibly savvy um, that sometimes you can't have all your great reviews at once too. You have to, why all of a sudden do they get five 
great reviews <laughs> the same day. Hmm. Like it makes me think too, like, are these paid reviews? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on? Um, obviously family testimonials are great. Um, I'm giggling because I, there was another gentleman I'm, I'm kicking myself. I can't remember his name, but I know he mentioned sales mail. So sales mail is, is one of the tools that we have and, and it's actually been a blessing. Um, I had to, to figure them out and find them right when COVID hit, but that's another one where it's taping and getting, um, family testimonials and asking a family. Sometimes a family will be like, yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Just, you know, take a really quick video. You can save that and send it to other prospects or it's, Hey, you walked this journey. It was really hard for you when you were placing your spouse. I think we can all agree sometimes when you're placing your spouse in a memory care, sometimes it's one of the hardest tours we'll ever do. Um, I encourage if you, if you have a family member that you've seen them walk that journey and you, you, you know, they're on the other side and they get it and they understand like, gosh, this was hard, but man, look how great my loved one's doing. Ask them to, to be your kind of ambassador that sometimes they love it's therapy for them. Let's get them on, on film. So you just have to get a little creative um, with things like that. What you just said, I don't think, and I find myself saying this a lot. I think this is a testimony or testament to the people that we bring on. But if you guys are listening to this right now uh, and you want uh, stronger results, replay what you just heard about a minute and try to get identify a person that is whether it's your memory care community your neighborhood or your assisted living uh side whatever type of model you have and find the person that is willing to champion your community and because i'm such a believer i I find myself saying this a, a ton it's one thing for me to be able to say we're the best community for your loved one it's so different even beyond the google reviews it's so different when a family member's, hey, this is what I struggled with. This is what they are doing. And this is how I feel right now. So you, they can feel, felt, found, all of that just in a span of, it doesn't even have to be long. It, has, it can be like a minute. So I, I love that you're, you're helping coach uh, sales teams on, on trying to get those testimonials because I think those are the most impactful uh, for, for families going through this journey. No, it is. And I think we, we forget, right? We forget that we have really happy families in the communities. We, you know, you're so used to them just being kind and walking through the day, but sometimes it's, um, it can be therapy for them. You know, it's one of the things like, right, every community should at least hopefully have a support group of some mm-hmm. sort. But I, I see more times than not, it's like, well, we only have one or two people that come. I'm like, well, I, that's fine. Like then, that's great for them. Mm-hmm. What I have learned, especially even with like support groups um, at community settings is we've all grown into nobody wants in the, the department heads don't want to take, it's like, let's get this home health to come in. Let's get this hospice to come in. At the end of the day, most families that come in, they want to talk to other families. That's, mm-hmm. that's who they want. They don't, they don't always want to talk to the, what we call the experts in this journey and, and what Alzheimer's looks like and what, what could happen. It's somebody who walked the same path. So Michael, you hit it on the head. I, I felt guilty when I first started sales, right? I was in my early thirties. I'm talking to these families that are walking through dementia and Parkinson's and really heavy things. And I hadn't walked that walk yet. You know, I'd mm-hmm. never had to deal with it. It, it. it was, it was, it was hard for me at first to go, gosh, are they even taking me serious? So it's, man, what a better advocate to find and identify and I'm telling you, 
most families would love to do that because they wish that somebody would have done that for them. They wish that there would have been somebody to say, Hey, I've been there and this is, this is hard. And this is what, this is what it's going to look like. Uh, we just, we have to be more consistent about identifying those, those people and in finding a place for them to, to help us. Right. Word of mouth is always going to be king when it comes to sales. So if you can get family members to give great reviews and talk about your community, but you can't do that unless your operations are clicking on all cylinders. <laughs> so I think a lot of people who are in that sales seat, the where the operations isn't going too well and they're not doing a great job with some of the residents, they feel like they can't reach out and ask some families because they don't, maybe they don't want to hear the truth. You get those testimonials. nailed it. No, you've nailed it. Usually that's what happens is it's like, I don't know if I necessarily want to ask anybody because you're, you're right. You know, what's crazy is there was actually a community um, when I was a regional with Civitas, there was a nurse. All of a sudden we started seeing all these reviews and I was like, where are all these great reviews coming from? Anybody in the community can ask for them. They were genius. So their um, health and wellness director, who was nude, he was taking over a challenged community, a very, very challenged community. He waited a few months, but then he started bringing families in. And, you know, we're always supposed to have care plans and you do that in person and you're talking to them and what this looks like. He built relationships over his first few months. And he was able to turn kind of naysayers, some skeptics on what was going on there, he turned them around and he would ask for the review. This is the health and wellness director. It doesn't always have to be sales. I, I just remember going, how wonderful is that? He had a really good pulse on what was going on, right? He was just talking to a family. I mean, obviously I'm sure he wasn't asking a family that had a lot of concerns. He, he knew that his team had changed and met their needs and things were changing and felt confident enough to ask his family, do you mind sharing this? And all of a sudden we saw this huge, and this was a community that was given to me that was struggling. And then I was so proud of them. I, by the time I ended up leaving Civitas, they ended up getting like the turnaround community of the year. And, but it, it took a village, right? It took, it took the executive director, the health and wellness director engagement. It kind of took all those people, but I thought, how cool. It doesn't always have to be the sales director that asked, asked for this review. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that, that person that had no incentive to 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 do None. that. They just were yes. you know, <laughs> for the for the good of the community. For I think that's that's phenomenal. But I do think that that that's also a part of identifying the, the talent that is doing it for the right reasons. And Corey, to your your point, uh uh when when operations aren't going as smoothly as planned, you don't necessarily feel that that confident to ask for that the referral or the Google review. But I do think, you know, I I, I remember my leader saying something very impactful. Uh, just try to find one thing that is going so right in the community. Like identify, put that person in your head that the community wouldn't be able to live without. And I think that's also kind of uh, a good visualization for salespeople. If like you're listening to this and you feel like you are in that seat, just try to find that one person that is uh, just your rock star. And then every time that you're talking to a family member, just visualize that person because uh, it, it it can be it can be challenging. No, that's I mean that's honestly that's great advice, and it's and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier that there really are great things happening even in those. You know, you feel like everything's going wrong, right? Like the care and the staffing and the food, there could be all these things, but man, 
I still know that there's great people. There's kind people in every community everywhere. And man, that that's such great advice. Sometimes, you know, sales directors, right? We, the second we know that there's not things going right, it'll, it, it gets in our head and it is hard for us to look at a family, but you do have to, sometimes it's great advice for myself too, <laughs> to remember that there truly are some hidden gems in there. Um, and, and I always advise everybody, don't be afraid to speak up, speak up in a kind way. But if you've identified that there might be some issues, it's okay to talk to your executive director um, to, to, to see if there's ways to, to work through things. I, I've noticed that too many times in communities are like, oh, I've worked for too many companies. It, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter that I, you know, I, I think this, this or that. I'm like, well, I, I challenge you to, to try and talk to your executive director mm. and, and see what happens. Yeah, keeping those lines of communication open, so critical. Uh, and I listen, we're we're well over our time, and I want to be respectful. <laughs> yeah. You you were you're right. We could easily talk for for hours just to, about this. And I just want to to thank you for jumping on oh. and, and sharing your advice, and uh, maybe just kind of share a little bit about Silver Point um, and you know, what what's to kind of come for you guys, and yeah. uh, clue us in there, and we can conclude. No, absolutely. No, thank you guys for having me on. Like I said, salespeople, we could talk forever. We're so passionate <laughs> right. about it. I, I love it. That's right. Um, so we, obviously we, we currently have six communities. Y'all should bring on Sean sometime. He would love, you know, he's okay. our, he's our visionary. Oh, he would absolutely love to talk to you guys. Um, Do it. And so it's, we're hoping to grow, right? That's, that's the goal, but we want to do it smart. At the end of the day, we do work for several different ownership groups and each of their communities are very important to us. They're all equally important. And so our growth has to be strategic. Um, I know that he is um, constantly working, trying to, to work with new investors and things, but he can kind of answer um, a lot more on what, you know, what we will look like in the next year or two. I just know Sean is fantastic at allowing us to kind of create our departments the way that we see fit, mm. um, which is really nice. Um, um, working for a CEO who really believes in each each of us, um, and he he is always supportive, uh, you know, wanting us to grow. But I'm excited to see where we're going to be in the next year. I mean, it is it's it's crazy to think, you know, we started this company. Um, not too long ago. Um, and the opportunities I think are just endless. Yeah. Well, I see absolute success with people like you in the, in the VP seats. And I mean, there's going to be nothing but success for you guys. Um, I, I really, the biggest takeaway for me uh, for this whole thing, everything was great that you said, we really touched on a lot of good stuff, but the nurse giving reviews, turning those, those bad conversations into good conversations into testimonials, word of mouth. That's the kind of stuff that I think a lot of people out there need to hear and how important that can be. Um, I want to say thank you so much for joining. I could talk about this kind of stuff all day long. So I, I would love to have you back on another time. Uh, and maybe even with Sean, if that, if he would, if he would hop on, that'd be great. But, um, enjoy for me, please enjoy some good Mexican food while you're in Texas for me. Uh, I will, I will <laughs> for sure. You're going to have for to sure. twist your arm, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to twist my arm for that. Maybe a good margarita too, a good Texas margarita. Yes, what well, yesterday was what National Margarita Day, but I'll have one anytime, so that's fine. Absolutely, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to another great episode of the One Hundred Club Podcast, and until next time, y'all have a great day. Bye.